Welcome to Depths of Creation, a podcast to explore your creative expression, emotions, and pleasure while you make art out of everyday life. I am your host, Rachel White, a creator, author, speaker, and your guide towards exploring and expressing the depth of your primal and sacred creative energy. Let's get into this episode. bonus episode is one of the replays from the Magic Makers Summit. It was a free online summit that I ran ran in October 2021, um, just recently, if you're listening in real time. Um, so in the in the recordings that I've included as bonus podcast episodes, there are three solo lives that I did and then two interview episodes. So throughout this, um, they are really focused and potent, but you may hear some interaction with the live audience um, that was there and you may hear some mentions of the Magic Makers Summit as well, but they were just so good and so juicy and so amazing that I really wanted to include them on the podcast as well, especially the two interview episodes the topics we discuss just fit perfectly into the theme of this chapter of the podcast. The first interviews with Olivia Celine diving into the magic and the power of women through the birthing process. That is just amazing. Highly, highly recommend that. You may be on that episode right now. And the second interview was with um, Katie Rose and we talked about the art of devotion, the magic um, of Shakti and divine feminine embodiment, which is really amazing as well. So enjoy these bonus episodes from the Magic Makers Summit. Okay, we are live. Hello, everyone that is here for the Magic Makers Summit. I'm super excited um, for Katie Rose to be joining us and for me to be in conversation and interviewing her. The spotlight will mostly be on her, though. Um, and yeah, there is so much magic that we are going to talk about and, and dive into today. So everyone, if you're here on the replay, comment, say hello, um, you can still ask your questions and interact as if you're here live. Um, and everyone, um, that is going to be joining live, please say hello to us. I have the, um, comments open, so I'll see them come through. So to start us off, Katie, do you want to give a little introduction into who you are and what you do in the world? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Katie Rose. Thank you so much for having me here today, Rachel. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, I am a yoga teacher. I'm also an Ayurveda practitioner and coach. Um, I've been doing this work for over 25 years now. Um, like it's been my full-time career for my whole adult life. Um, most of my work these days is online. I run a couple of online um, programs, one in Ayurveda it's called Ayurveda Goddess and another one that is about teaching pre and postnatal yoga, which is the yoga of birth. Um, I'm also a mum. I've got four boys and I'm currently pregnant at the moment with a little girl. So baby number five is on the way. Amazing. Oh, how exciting. Um, Lara's here live and she just said hello. Hi, Lara. Thanks for being here. Um, amazing. I love that. And I love all the work that you do in the world, um, Katie. And I love that you can share things through the lens of Ayurveda and yoga and, and birth and also like all the other things that you've gained wisdom and experience in like through your 25 years and 
your lifetime experience as well. Um, so I would love to just start off just setting the scene a little in like, what are your views on magic? How would you, how would you define magic and what does the experience of being magical or, or magic existing look like and feel like for you? Yeah, um, it's such a beautiful question. And I, I've been thinking about this question a little bit the last few days in thinking about chatting with you, Rachel. And um, my teacher springs to mind. So I trained in a school of yoga called Jiva Mukti Yoga. And um, my main teacher is an incredible woman called Sharon Gannon. Um, she's, uh, she just turned 70 this year. So she's a real sort of mentor and an elder for me in, in my work. And I've been studying with her since I was 18. So we've had a long teacher student relationship and she talks a lot about magic in her teachings and in the context of the yoga path. Um, so I can't really speak about magic without thinking of her and thinking about all the things that she has taught me and probably the main, um, teaching I've had from Sharon about magic is a phrase that she uses a lot, which is magic is a shift in perception. Magic is a shift in perception. And I absolutely love this um, teaching because it has such depth to it. You know, so much of our lives we spend um, in one lane and with a fairly narrow view of the world. And when we're able to open and expand our worldview to something that takes on board uh, difference and and changes the way we think and perceive and see the world to me that's really a magical experience and it's magical in the sense that it allows us to experience true spiritual growth like it really allows us to expand our consciousness we talk a lot about expanded consciousness in the realm of personal development and you know um on this sort of spiritual quest for growth but very often it's within the confines of our own communities and so actually it's surprisingly narrow I'm really interested in what can help us to broaden that broaden that perspective out I mean a really good and very controversial example at the moment is the whole vaccine debate it's extremely polarizing that the COVID vaccine conversation and um, you know what I'm most interested in regardless of what my position is and whether I'm pro or anti or whatever whatever anyone else's position is I'm most interested in how can we hold space for difference of opinion? Like, is it possible that we can remain friends, remain colleagues, remain, uh, you know, in partnership with people that have radically different opinions to us? And that requires shift in perception. It requires being able to empathize, to see something from someone else's point of view and not polarize and create division. And to me, that's, that's true magic. That's what will heal the world. Yeah, it, it's such a it's such an interesting thing to think about, like these topics that have become so polarizing um, and how fixed we can come, how we can become in like our own perception. And, and I love that like invitation to invite more magic in by just shifting our perception a little and being a little more open to people that experience magic and life and spirituality and all things in different ways than we personally do. Yeah, it's one of the, I think one of the real sort of um, ironies of our, of this time in history that we're living is in some ways we have access to more and more information and access to a broader and broader view of the world, like the, the world is getting smaller and our knowledge base is getting vaster. On the other hand, because we're dictated to by algorithms and we, we sort of like our, our reality is shaped by what we're interested in and the people that we hang out with. 
Mm. actually it becomes more narrow in many ways it's really mm. interesting to notice that and to try like another example something I've been doing recently which is really confronting is I've been listening to some podcasts and some news that's far right like very different to my political ideology which is much more over to the green left mm. um, and just listening just listening to what perspectives there are what opinions there are what the narrative is and getting curious rather than going oh my god that's so wrong you know and sort of getting on a high horse of judgment coming from a curious place and you know I do disagree with 95% of it but just that practice of stepping outside of my little bubble is um I think it's very powerful yeah I love that and I love that you can view it with curiosity and it's like you know your when you have a strong stance on something it's like you can be grounded in that and also hear other people like just be curious about how why do they think the way they do even if it differs so much from what we personally value mm, amazing I love that um and the other kind of like little thing I wanted to touch on before we get deeper into um, the topics we're going to be talking about is just the concept of everyday art and life being an artful experience if you have any like initial thoughts on that yeah um there's a quote on my on the homepage of my website from Helena Bonham Carter who I love I think she's an absolute definition of a, a sort of living artist mm -hmm. um and in this in that quote she speaks about how we can see art in the world and she says that your art could be I mean obviously she's an actor but your art could be in acting it could be in music it could be in poetry it could be in painting it could be in your handwriting it could be in the way that you express yourself like she even says it could be in your shopping list you know and um I love this idea that we can each of us find our art in the small actions of daily life that we can create beauty in little ways according to our own individual disposition so some people uh, you know like pick flowers and arrange them really beautifully for others it might be making a meal and really um, making an offering of that meal and serving the food really beautifully mm. uh, the way that you dress the way that you do your hair like so many different expressions of our creativity and and art and beauty in the world um, I love the idea of aesthetic rather than classical beauty because beauty sort of often has a definition to it of what we think of like you know we think about like what's beautiful in a woman and we sort of think about like a model or something like that but actually when we think about the aesthetic of beauty it's beyond age it's beyond body shape it's beyond individual sort of personality or temperament and it's just an appreciation for the the multiple different ways that beauty can show up in our in our lives and in our world so I love that um you know, like, for example, I can't draw at all. Like my little kids sometimes like, mom, can you draw me an elephant or draw me a car? It's like, I really, really can't. Um, but I'm a wordsmith. I love words and I write and I've journaled my whole life and I've written a bunch of books. And if you ask me to throw a sentence together, I can do that as an art form. Like for me, that's a creative offering. Um, and we each have our own individual ways of, of doing that. And it's beautiful to see the diversity. Mm, I love that I love um, I just like wrote your quote that we can find art in the small actions of daily life I love that I'm, de I'm definitely going to post that um, and I love like the aesthetics of beauty rather than like traditional definition of beauty I, I love that I think that is 
that's so powerful um and yeah all the examples you gave are just so beautiful and like I feel the same like I'm much more comfortable expressing through words and I feel like maybe it's because I'm like so much more active in my mind like my thinking mind than being visual um but then there's other people that like aren't very eloquent in their writing but their vision the visual images they create are just like speak so much more than anything they could write so it, it's so amazing to find the ways we like to express ourselves and like you said it can be like how we dress like how we present ourselves how we like keep our home it's like it's all such a beautiful art form so I love that okay let's dive into the art of devotion and where do you think is the best starting point here you know I was thinking about this this morning and I for some reason I had a flashback and I want to share a little story um, to a time when I was in India many years ago and I was I'd, I was spending some time in Delhi in the um, in the capital city of India and doing some sightseeing and going around looking at different temples and doing some different meditation courses and things like that and I remember very I just remembered this this morning it popped into my mind but it's very appropriate around this conversation of magic and um how we express our spirituality in our lives. I remembered a day where we went to see um, my, my boyfriend of the time and I went to see two different temples in one day. And one of them was um, the uh, Baha'i temple, which is a pretty famous temple in India. It's, it's very architecturally interesting because it's created in the shape of a lotus flower. So it's huge, it's this massive temple, but the outside, a bit like the Sydney Opera House. If you imagine the Sydney Opera House, but instead of being the Opera House, it's like a lotus. Um, and this temple was incredible. It was really, really beautiful, manicured, like perfectly. The gardens, there wasn't a blade of grass out of place, beautiful flowers. The temple itself is silent. So when you go in, it's very quiet and still, sparkly clean, which is such a contrast when you're in India, because India, most everywhere is dirty. So you sort of go to this really clean, silent place. And it's very poignant because it's completely different to what's going on out in the street. Mm -hmm. So that was one experience. And then on the afternoon of the same day, we went to visit another temple across, literally across the road, like, like a stone's throw away, which is a Kali temple, the goddess Kali, who famously um, chopped the heads of her lovers off when they annoyed her. So, you know, if you got on the wrong side of Kali, you got decapitated. And then she threaded them in a necklace around her neck and sort of wore them as like a, a trophy, I guess you could say. She's the original empowered female. Um, and the Kali temple was the exact opposite of the Baha'i temple. It was noisy and loud and a sensory overload. You know, it was full of people and a lot of women sort of expressing themselves like wailing and chanting and banging tambourines and um, you know, street hustlers selling different things and incense and colour and like a riot to the senses. And it just struck me that these two different um, places, these two different temples are both perfect examples of spirit and spirituality and um, religious expression, but even more than that, like expression of the spirit of what it means to be engaged with the divine, like in, in connection with source, but yet so completely different, so completely different. And it's a real lesson for me that, um, you know, there are so many different ways that we can practice art and there are so many different ways that we can find connection to source and to the divine. 
and practice our spirituality. And for some people, it will be in the silence and it will be in the clear, clean spaces. And for others, it will be in the chaos and in the busyness and in the kind of abundance of color and stimulation. And neither one is right or wrong. It's just that we each, and, and it might even be at different times in your life, different times in your day, mm. that there's an appeal in both, you know? Um, I mean, I loved both of them. I could almost say equally. I think it's like really interesting how such contrast can still provide such a deep experience for us, just depending on what it is that we're looking for and where we're at in our lives. So yeah, again, it goes back to this idea of expression of art, very similar that it's not about necessarily the modality or the format or the, the lens. It's really about the intention behind and then there's so many different ways that that spirit, sense of spirit can can manifest. Mm. Oh, like just how you ended that. So many different ways sense of spirit can manifest. I think that is amazing. I feel like I'm going to say that after everything you say. Like that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> um, okay. And so when when we're talking about like the art of devotion, like how how do you feel like that ties into um, th- this thought that we can um like spirit can be manifest in in so many different expressions i think for me one of the biggest lessons of my life has been about finding a sense of connection to spirit and to source in each moment without necessarily needing to change the external elements mm-hmm. um, there's a teacher called sarah powers who i love a yin yoga teacher she's actually a buddhist and she talks about um she talks about spirituality as sitting in the room of your life and and not continuously rearranging the furniture and I love this metaphor because I think so many of us spend a lot of time within the 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 room that is our lives shuffling the furniture around thinking that by doing that we'll find ourselves you know oh if I just get a new job or a new partner or I move to this location or I you know change my view on this or I get do this particular training I'll be a completely different person and I'll have a totally different outlook. And actually what Sarah says in that metaphor is stop shuffling the furniture around, sit down, take your seat, do your meditation practice and and be in the space that you've been given. So, you know, for me, for example, with all my children, it's very easy sometimes, especially at the moment, because we've been in lockdown for so long and they've been at home to say, oh, my children are a hindrance to my spiritual practice, you know, that they're young and they need a lot of attention and energy and it's getting in the way of me being able to do my yoga practice or my meditation practice. Or I can reframe that and I can say, the children are the furniture in the room of my life and they're here for a reason and it's part of my karma. And how can I find my spiritual practices within the craziness, within this life that I've been gifted, this precious opportunity to be a mother to these holy little beings full of energy and life and um and and find the ways to do that and you know sometimes it's just like I get a minute to light a candle or to journal in gratitude for a few moments or I get to wake up in the morning like I did this morning and do some meditation while my five-year-old's still like lying in the bed next to me rolling around um in other words the conditions aren't perfect they're not perfect but human life isn't meant to be a set of perfect conditions. It's meant to be a set of imperfect conditions designed to allow us to work through our karma 
so that we can live in the environment that we've been gifted and see that as a precious gift rather than see all the obstacles and see all the problems mm. and you know it that said I'm not saying I always achieve that like there's plenty of times of frustration and uh you know yearning for different conditions and that type of thing that happens very often but I do come back to the intention of landing in the present moment and feeling a sense of this is where I'm meant to be. Mm, amazing. Um, Lara commented saying she's basically like, ha um, Katie, Rachel will attest to the fact I needed to hear this in all caps, stop moving the furniture, Laz, get to work. Um, Lara is a client of mine and we were literally just talking <laughs> this morning about um yeah moving moving some priorities to stop avoiding um some things that are maybe in the room so amazing I love I love this message landed perfectly with Lara and I'm sure everyone else um watching as well okay is there anything else you want to say around art and devotion or do you feel ready to move into um Shakti because I really want to talk about magic. yeah let's let's talk Shakti I mean it's all part of the same conversation anyway yeah so do you want to give like how how would you explain what shakti is to someone that's never heard of that word before yeah shakti is so many people will know what prana is prana is life force or energy in traditional chinese medicine prana is chi um it's the elixir of life that animates us it's the difference between being alive and full of energy and 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 literally not having a spirit soul in the body like when we pass away um, the prana leaves the body so it's the animating force that gives life shakti is specifically the feminine embodiment of that prana of that life force so shakti is what conceives babies it's what births it what it's what creates life in a female womb um, but it's also the juice or the essence of the divine feminine it's it's mother nature mother nature is shakti and Often Shakti gets misinterpreted, particularly by Western people, as sort of hmm, light and fluffy and angelic and pretty and all the things that in classic sort of um, Judeo-Christian narrative, the woman is seen as being. So I always think of Eve in the Garden of Eden as sort of like humble and submissive and um, like a sort of innocent child. Um, and there's nothing wrong with those qualities. I'm not saying that's that's wrong. Um, there's a time and place for that, just like there's a time and place for all types of energies and archetypes. However, if the feminine is only allowed to express itself in that way, that meek, humble, sweet, innocent way, then we, we ignore a whole um, realm of what the divine feminine is also, which is the empowered, feisty, courageous, warrior woman and that's the shakti so to go back to those two temples that i was talking about just before the kali temple i mean kali is the ultimate shakti goddess right and her story is amazing because after she chopped off the heads of all her different lovers and wore them as a sort of trophy necklace to kind of basically say f you mess with me and this is what's going to happen she then realized that actually she was still in love with her first consort, her first true love, which is Shiva. Shiva was her husband and her, her real kind of like the man that met her, that matched her. 
and too late she'd already chopped Shiva's head off in a rage right she'd already kind of had the outburst and decapitated him and then she was full of regret and this is what Shakti can sometimes do you know we get really fired up and really feisty and we kind of make a mess and then we go oh no I've made a mess here like and it's too late I've chopped someone's head off the beautiful thing about that story is that Shiva forgave her and in his infinite power was able to resurrect and um, be in union with her and what Shiva did in that moment, and I love this, is he kind of acknowledged that the female power is very strong and also sometimes a little bit irrational and that that's okay. So we don't always have to be completely consistent. We don't always have to be completely rational and logical and linear. All of those are masculine qualities and they're needed sometimes. But what Shakti says is it's okay to be a bit of a mess. It's okay to flail around a little bit, to act out, to get messy. And sometimes the most creative work, the most uh, powerful breakthroughs happen in that kind of dark night of the soul, in the, in the mistakes that we've made, in the regret, in the, you know, when you look at your life and you just go, wow, I've really made some poor choices here. Like I've dug myself into a hole. There could be so much growth and power in that if we can see it as an opportunity for spiritual growth. So Shakti is the, is the feminine energy of the divine, but it also contains a lot of destruction. Like if we look at mother nature, for example, mother nature can be very cruel. Mother mm -hmm. nature, you know, things like um, pregnancy losses or, you know, the environment becoming really degraded or, you know, there's a resilience and a beauty there, but there's also loss and death and pain and unexpected outcomes, things that we feel we didn't sign up for. All of this is part of Shakti, that rich, you know, I think of the women wailing at the Kali temple and they're, they're wailing their grief um, at life, you know, how cruel and, and intense and overwhelming life can be. The Shakti energy allows that expression. It's not suppressed. It's not held back like Eve in the Garden of Eden, kind of like, you know, meek and mild and head down. No, it, it's like, fully immersed in the experience of embodied life. And um, wow. I, I feel, and I think it's, it, it's probably my life's work in all honesty on myself and then out in the world sharing with other women that if we can embrace that part of ourselves with compassion and in a way that doesn't cause harm, then we can become complete as women. Like that's, that's the missing piece for so many of us, the, the fire in the belly and the, the, the clarity, the warrior energy. Mm. Oh my God, so much goodness in all of that. And I love that so much. And um, something I was talking about in like day one of the summit was a reclamation, a reclamation of being messy and how like we've become so like domesticated um, that anything out of place kind of can, can send us into like a... Um, not so healthy mindset at times so I I love that like uh like the the messy the destruction and viewing that with compassion and um I love the word you use that like sometimes the feminine power is irrational and so often what I've like witnessed is that women are so judged for that when they're irrational when they're like emotional hysterical like like it's like those words are so often used as insults as to why women shouldn't be in positions of power and shouldn't be making decisions or like all of those like 
BS things. Um, but I, I love that it is such a beautiful part of like the feminine power and holding space for all of that with compassion just allows us to experience more magic in all of all of the other ways, but in in those ways mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, I, I, and when we judge, when we judge ourselves less, when we're a little bit more open-minded, for example, in allowing ourselves to change our minds about something, we also judge others less. You know, so if I give myself the space to radically change my mind, then I can allow others to do the same. And suddenly there's a freedom in that, you know, in my relationship with my partner, in my relationship with my children, in my relationships at work, it's okay. There's space for me to make a mistake, to change my mind, to see something in a different way. And then I can allow those other people to do the same thing. And suddenly there's so much freedom. There's so much expansion, so much honesty. Yeah. Whereas if we're all on this kind of masculine linear one-way path and no one feels that they can deviate, um, Oh, we get into all kinds of trouble, suppression, denial, confusion. It's a mess. I personally resonate to that so much. And I feel like growing up through university, the start of like my professional career, if you asked me what my number one value in life was, I would have said perseverance and ambition. It's like, I'm going to commit to things and I'm going to see them through to the end, no matter what, I'm going to get it done and keep going. And that ultimately led to a massive state of burnout and now like I just give myself full permission to go with what I'm interested in like there are certain things I am devoted to but I allow the expression of them to be in so many ways and like I was even I was talking about this um the other day that like I have like three books that each have around like 15 to 30,000 words that I'm not going to finish because I just like writing it was a really joyful, artful experience, but I just feel like I, I just don't want to finish it. Um, there may be bits and pieces I pull out, but it's, it's okay just to destroy that, leave it and, and start fresh with what I actually want to focus on. And, you know, of course, there's some nuance to this. Like sometimes we can get in patterns of like never finishing things, but we can also allow what we're doing to be the joy, to be the art, to be the experience. Um, and, you know, completion has a beautiful energy as well, but we can we can hold space for both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It was a big breakthrough for me in my life a few years ago when I realized not every book I start reading, do I have to finish? Like I used to be one of these people that were just to the bitter end, even if I wasn't enjoying it, didn't like it, would just finish because I'm, I'm a, I'm not a quitter. You know, it's a very pitta quality. If we talk about Ayurveda, the, the pitta type, which is the fire type, we have this in our archetype, this don't give up mentality um whereas the kaffirs are the opposite they give up too easily so they need what you were talking about before they need a bit more resilience a bit more pushing through but but pitters like us know we we need to learn to back off and you know these days it's so liberating I, i mean i'm a great reader i'm an avid reader i love to read so if i start a book and i don't like it it's not resonating i don't finish it and it's such a liberation to go you know what this isn't for me i'm not gonna finish it's great yeah definitely um uh, I'll just read Lara's comments that are coming through she's like this live was meant for me at this moment in time thank you ladies you're so welcome Lara um and she said yes I have this weird thing about finishing some some something I cannot stand when my Netflix says continue watching (laughs) (laughs) 
when Geordie stops a film or show you halfway through. Oh my God. I I used to be like that with like Netflix or like movies in general or TV shows. And it's like, if I start a series, I have to see it through. But literally like, I'll like skip halfway through an episode sometimes or just like finish halfway through. So maybe that that's something to, um, to work on, Lara, accepting that the movie is halfway done and never going to be finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah amazing and you know it's the same for the work that we put out in the world exactly like you just said Rachel sometimes we might work on a project whether it's a piece of writing or some kind of offering that we want to put out and then midway through we realize this isn't resonating for me anymore and we can either push through with that and the energy will never be right and particularly if it's something that you're wanting to monetize um, like a piece of work in the world that is going to generate income for you once the alignment is gone it's never going to monetize well. Like that's a, that's a good piece of business advice is, you know, if you feel like you're just pushing yourself to the finish line with something and the, the magic is gone, the energy is gone, know when to give up. And some, sometimes that can be really disheartening if you've put a lot of time and energy into something, but mm-hmm. far better to, to cut and start fresh than to keep um, working on something that's no longer in alignment. A hundred percent. And I, I was talking about this in um, day one of the summit as well around that sometimes like our ego really wants to hold on to the proof and the evidence of our effort and our energy. And that can make us become such hoarders, like energetically and of physical things as well. And it is so liberating to create more spaciousness in our mind um, and in our physical space um, and our business as well. I think that's a really, really good point because the energy we're in when we're creating is really infused in, in what we're putting out in the world. And if we just sit with like, what transmission do we really want to have in our creations? Is it that I forced this when I wasn't really into it? Like I was so turned off that I just wanted to force it out. Or like, do you want a transmission of like, I was, so turned on when I created this so excited and and I'm so excited for everyone to to receive it as well it's totally different energy I think um something I've thought about a little bit too and particularly in terms of sort of the business side of things or putting creative work out into the world let's say Mm -hmm. is um the difference between doing a piece of work or making an offering because you think it's what people want versus what's actually really lighting you up and allowing that to be expressed out into the world and they're very very different energies you know we can do that with anything you could do that with a uh, you know if you're at uni with an assignment or if you're if you're employed with a with a task at work we're sort of pleasing we're trying to create something that we think our target audience wants to read or our you know our boss wants to see and it's never full of juice and life whereas if we create from our own internal compass like what's we're really passionate about always always that's when we do our best work Mm. it it takes courage it takes courage and sometimes that's a muscle that we have to um strengthen yeah amazing um and and I love that we can play with this energy and liberation in small moments like accepting something on Netflix is half finished and in like the bigger things and like the, the work we're doing in the world and there there is so much space to play with it at different levels like not that one is like more important than the other but all creates art and space um and like a more free flow of our energy within us mm. amazing do you have anything to say um to add katie around 
anything that we've covered before we finish up? Um, no, I mean, I just want to say it's a pleasure to chat with you. And I feel like as always in our conversations, we could kind of go off on so many tangents and talk about so many things. But I love the focus that you've chosen for this summit. I think it's really powerful. And I think it's really needed at this time for women to just expand their consciousness in terms of our worldview, in terms of what we see as being possible and, and inviting in a little bit of magic. You know, I think particularly with the pandemic the last couple of years for many of us have been heavy with a lot of us men and women are carrying a heavy burden there's sort of a feeling of being a little bit weighed down and um this idea that we can bring in some lightness bring in some joy bring in some magic that's going to be the medicine for us at this time as we sort of as the world slowly starts to re-emerge from what's been a pretty tough couple of years for most people mm. Amazing. I love that. And thank you so much for being here, Katie. I, um, I always love our conversations as well. I love everything that you've shared. Um, for everyone listening, please comment and um, share what you share your insights and quotable moments from listening to Katie. And if you want more from her, she has given her five day rest and reset um, like mini self-led program for everyone. The it's in the group on how to get access to that. And I'm sure that will be so amazing. Um, Katie, do you want to share some other ways people can connect with you and work with you, experience more of you? If yeah, sure. I mean, the best way is to sign up for the program. Um, like Rachel said, I'm offering it for free for anyone that's watching this and is part of the summit. It's normally $49, so it's, but it's a gift for you guys. Um, if you follow the link and sign up for that, it's a five-day um, like Rachel said, self-led experience. So I'll take you through some meditation, some yoga, some understanding of Ayurveda, um, some journaling practices, which I love to do. Um, and you know, it's partly videos and then PDFs that you can download. It's a whole little journey that you can go on. Really nice to do anytime that you're feeling a bit stuck or a little bit kind of overwhelmed. It just, it's a reset. That's why I called it rest and reset. Um, so that's probably the best way because as a result of doing that, you'll get really connected into my work. Um, but you can also check out my website, which is bucketyrose.com.au. And that has all of my offerings on it as well. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, everyone that's here listening. Thanks, Laura, for being here live with us. Everyone that's on the replay. Have an amazing, amazing day. And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of the summit as well. So thank Thanks, you very Rachel. much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Connect with me at by Rachel Wyatt to continue this conversation. I would always love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me in your stories or leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being here. Have a wonderful day.